Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, how are you? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. I have the honor of sitting here with Lior Sinai, the co-CEO of the Alexander Moss High School. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. Not a problem. Did I say that right, Alexander Moss? It's the Alexander Moss High School in Israel. It's true. Perfect. Now, I have a question. Who Can you explain to the viewers and the listeners, who is Alexander Moss? Sure. So, uh, uh, actually, the, the school was named Alexander Moss High School in Israel in uh, the early mid-80s. It started in 1972, known as the High School in Israel, and was founded by a rabbi, may he uh, rest in peace of blessed memory, Rabbi Morris Kipper, out of South Florida. And he came up with this idea. He said, you know, there's no such thing as a long-term, teen immersive academic experience in Israel. There's all these other trips, and there's wonderful travel groups, but nothing where a student can come actually learn and study and experience the history of our people here chronologically. So he came up with the concept in 1972, and alongside the uh, Greater Miami Jewish Federation, they decided to fund it at the time. And they launched. In the early to mid-'80s, a gentleman uh, and Jewish leader by the name of Stephen Muss had a family member experience the program, was transformed by it, and he was inspired and uh, went ahead and uh, made his commitment to uh, underwrite the school in memory of his father, Alexander Muss. Yeah, yeah. So Alexander Muss never actually got to witness Oh, that. that's too bad. But uh, perhaps from up above, he's looking down and seeing uh, his name memorialized in a very special way. Oh, I'm sure he is. Um, so I came across you through the multitude of JNF videos uh-huh. that shows you. And, and what's funny is everyone seems really excited. Um, go Zionism. Um, but... You seem especially excited. <laughs> hey, come to Israel. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really wonderful, and I'm really glad you showed up. Thank you. Um, just to get a little bit of history, mm-hmm. um, where are you from originally? Originally born and raised in Brooklyn, so a New Yorker. Yes. And uh, made my way in, uh, 20, you know, for 20 years prior to making Aliyah. We were in Manhattan living in the city, so New York City. And uh, we made Aliyah in 2011, so uh, we're coming up around nine years in June since Congratulations. we Congratulations. Thank you, Tudarabo. Now, um, you went to Hunter College. I went to City University of New York, Hunter College. I went to CUNY. Okay. City College in New York, baby. Nice. Go Beavers. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you went to JTS. Uh, no, right after college, I had a job, and then my, my second job, which kind of launched me into this trajectory of, of this Zionist Jewish world, was with Jewish National Fund in 1999. Oh, so you initially did work I with started, Yeah, I, 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 I didn't have any background in the Jewish nonprofit world. My background was in entertainment, and, um, and I got inspired, and I said, well, what am I doing with my life? What, what a shallow life I have, you know, so great. I have fun with what I do. I was in entertainment. It was great. But I wanted to be part of something more, you know, just something special. Uh, being a son of, uh, of Israelis, first generation, grand, grandson to Holocaust survivors. And an introduction was made to the uh, new CEO at the time, who's still there, uh, God bless him, for 20 years, Russell Robinson at JNF Jewish National Fund USA. And we met. And long story short, here I am, uh, 20 years later, still a part of that family and 
started working there and then at some point realized I wanted to go back to school. What was going to be a master's degree ended up becoming rabbinical school. That was never part of the plan. I was already married. You know, you're not the only person who said that. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's, uh, I, I, think it's, I think if anything, it shows the uh, uh, beauty in life where you just never know where things will take you if you're prepared to break away from the shackles of formalities, right? Everyone thinks you got to go on this trajectory and this is how life works. No, that's not how life works. Life throws opportunities at you all the time. And if you're open to them, you can, you can be able to receive them. So I ended up going to rabbinical school again at JTS, long story short, but you know, I shopped around. I was not involved in any denomination. I, I didn't go to JTS because I'm a, I'm a flag carrying conservative Jew. I'm a Jew who was looking for purpose and meaning in life. And I wanted to learn. And at JTS, I found exactly what I needed. I was there for six years, full time, loved every moment of it. If I can continue studying, I would. Um, it was great. Got my questions answered and came back into the mix. You're the only person who's ever said, I've oh, yeah. got, I got my questions oh, yeah. answered. That's so all. awesome. It's all, it's all done. It's taken <laughs> care of. That's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, it says in your, and I, I perused your LinkedIn bio, um, and it says uh, that you have done quite a bit of Jewish educational outreach. Mm. Would you mind covering some of that? Sure. Um, look, I mean, it, uh, it started, I mean, when I was younger, I was a teen tour guide counselor and I worked for Young Judea. I was involved in Israel Scouts. So I always had and found myself in these situations where I was, let's say, transmitting something, right? So if I was prior to the Jewish world and I was in theater, I was transmitting what? An experience, right? Transmitting mm -hmm. a, a performance that people can walk away from and hopefully take something away with them. The same thing goes in, in education. What are we actually doing as educators? We're transmitting knowledge, experience, connectivity, right? Hopefully inspiration, because that's the whole point. Especially today, where it's not a given that a Jew is going to remain a Jew, right? I mean, so mm. we're doing our best. So it started then, and then, and then at JNF, although I started off as a fundraiser, I, I eventually be, uh, moved over to the college activist department in around the year 2000, and just about the second intifada. And for me, that kind of opened my eyes, uh, just in terms of my own personal space and, and, and who I am in this world and working with college students and developing college young leadership and creating uh, programs on, on campus and bringing speakers from Israel to campus. And so that kind of really opened my eyes up to this whole reality of, you know, it's not just a skill set, but this could be actually part of your profession. It could be part of what you do. I just, I just wasn't attuned to that. And that kind of launched that path, and that's, uh, that's how I started. And then while in rabbinical school, I had various internships, whether it was at the NYU Hillel, at the uh, uh, Steinhardt Center up on the Upper West Side over there, where I was in educational positions, and, and I loved every moment of it. Now, in these educational positions, what were, what were your responsibilities? Who were you reaching out to specifically? <laughs> Well, it varies. It varies uh, according to the age category. I mean, when I was at NYU Hillel, it was college students, right? When I was at the Steinhardt Center, it was a multitude segments of the community. These were people who might have been more observant, and then there were people who were non, not only non-observant, but not, just didn't know anything. And so I'd create programs surrounding holidays, for example, mm -hmm. uh, where we would use, let's say, a Passover Seder as an educational opportunity, trying to explain, like, what are we doing here? You don't just show up to someone's house, sit at a table, read from a booklet for two hours, eat lettuce with, with, with salt water, and then figure out, well, what am I, you know, when's the food coming? 
right? There's an experience here. Passover, if we're going to use that as an example, is, 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 is a theatrical experience, right? There are props, right? There are pieces on the table. There's a table itself. There's the blessings. It's supposed to go through this experience that the pinnacle of which is this feast, right? This feast that we gather and we say, wow, we're no longer slaves. Let's appreciate that for a moment. So it really depended on, you know, the target audience. So whether it was high school students when I was a young Judea, whether it was college students at Hillel, whether it was, you know, adults, singles, families when I was at the Steinhardt Center and other places that, I, that I've worked at uh, and leading up to this day and time where, where we're impacting the lives of uh, thousands of high school students around the world. And I would add by extension, society, right? That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very good. It now, you, 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 you went to college, you did all of this work in JNF, then you did outreach or it, uh, not... Uh, intermixed in between you did outreach mm-hmm. and then you went to JTS sure. and then you made Aliyah. Right. What prompted you to make Aliyah? I've, I've been uh, dreaming of living here since I could remember myself. My parents being Israeli, they didn't send me to a sleepaway camp in, in the States in the summers or I wasn't part of any sort of youth group. It was, you know, here we are for eight months of the year or nine months of the year and, and for three months of the year in the summer, you're going to Israel. I thought that was normal until I discovered there's a whole Jewish community, you know. So I thought every Jewish kid goes to Israel for the summer. So I, I spent every summer of my life here in Israel. My family is from a kibbutz up north. I have family in Netanya and other places in the country. Um, that alongside my own personal identity. You know, in my home, we spoke Hebrew. We ate Israeli foods, right? Schnitzel with hummus, right? We had Israeli music in the background. We'd eat dinner yelling at each other, swallowing food within seconds, um, you know, and, and then I'd open the door and I'm in America, right? And then I, and then I have to inter- interact with Americans, American Jews, which is a very different culture than Israel as we all know so I was always living in this hybrid place when I'd come to Israel all of a sudden everyone's speaking my home language because we spoke Hebrew at home so that was the home right the 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 personal intimate language was Hebrew but here the whole country speaking my language that felt very comfortable my name is Lior right that's not a common American name no one knew how to pronounce it so in school they'd be like Eeyore Eeyore you know from Winnie the Pooh or I was called Leon or I was called Leroy I was no one ever knew how to pronounce my name so I'd be like okay call me Leo that was my nickname Leo but I come to Israel, every other guy here is named Lior, and that's a normal name here. And Lior has meaning, it has purpose, my light, so there's connection there. And, and, and the energy, you know, all of a sudden it's like, what, this whole country acts like my family does, right? <laughs> so clearly I feel at home here. So whenever I was here, I, I was, I, I'd get upset when I had to leave. So in my, the back of my mind was always, you know, when am I going to live here? Why, why am I going back there? I, I, I know, I feel like a guest there. So why not live here? And then tie that into our historical reality, which came later on in my lifetime when I studied our own history, recognizing that for 2,000 years, right, we cried by the rivers of, of, of Babylon, right? We dreamt, we wept for Zion, and here we have it, and I'm not going to live here? Who the hell do I think I am? <laughs> Who am I to just like, you know what I mean? Like with all exactly. due respect to freedom of choice, like I'm a part of a narrative of one of the best, you know, most amazing stories in human history, the winningest team in human history. We're still here from the ancient world. I mean, that's an amazing, <laughs> how can I not be here? So take that and then my own personal relationship. Of course I want to be here. So there was always this desire. It was somewhat delayed every other time I thought about it. There was always something that popped up that kind of delayed that. And then at some point in 2011, my wife and I, and we at the time had two kids. Now we think we have three kids. At the time we said, okay, if we don't do this now, then when? So either we stop talking about it or we give it a shot. Let's give it a year. 
We gave it a year, and it's going to be nine years soon. Thank God. So, where is your where is your wife from, and and, and her family? Are they from the so city? Or my are they in, from Israel? my in laws are also from Israel. So we're so we're both hybrid. She was born in, in in Queens, New York. I don't I don't hold that against her, but you know that's okay. <laughs> so she's from New York. I'm from New York, but we both have Israeli families and parents, and both grew up speaking Hebrew at home. So I found my match. I found someone that can contend with me and, and my Mishugas. You know, who am I? What am I? Am I? I'm not really American. I'm not fully Israeli. I didn't grow up here, but I'm like this hybrid, right? And there's many of us, if you will, right? Children mm-hmm. of Israelis who live abroad, who have these weird names, who have these traditions at home and speak Hebrew, whatever it is, but, but they're not really American. They're not really Australian, right? And then when you come to Israel, it's like, oh, this is my home. Like, this is where I belong. So she, like I, uh, has the similar background. She never planned on making Aliyah. She loves Israel, would come to visit, figured that would be enough. But she's such a cool, hip human being and easygoing. When, when I proposed that, you know, idea to her, hey, let's, let's give this a shot. She was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. That's wonderful. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. So with your so being an American and someone who did not grow up here and someone who is, I wrote this uh, and and I have to put this in. I wrote this piece um, in my blog on the Times of Israel about dreaming. Being an American Jew and and dreaming of living in Israel, mm-hmm. and that's when Hatikva plays in the background, mm-hmm. and you're standing in a sunset, mm. waving the Israeli flag. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for me mm. and a lot of other Jews in America, that Zionism, mm-hmm. that to us, that mm-hmm. big mythological Moshe Dayan, mm-hmm. Theodore Herzl mm-hmm. Zionism. Now, as someone who had one foot mm-hmm. in the Zionist experience, the mm-hmm. Zionist dream. What does Zionism mean to you? Big question, I know. I have an answer. Whoa, that's awesome. That? Zionism is the manifestation of the Jewish soul. It is the physical manifestation of the Jewish soul. Wow. Okay, that's my answer. It's been my answer for many years when people ask. You know, people, you know, we, we society, people, human beings, we like to think in black and white sometimes, right? This is what Zionism means, right? There was a time, you got to make Aliyah. That's what, if you're not, you're not a Zionism, not a Zionist. You got to support Israel, right? If you're not, you're not a Zionist. You got to give money. Okay, so now you don't have to make Aliyah. So now it's about being actively supportive of Israel. Now, okay, so... Like, that can drive you nuts. Wait, then what does it mean today? Which is why we don't have this connection, which is why it's been hijacked, right? Because we don't, mm-hmm. we don't know what it means. So I'm a, I'm, I come from a gray area. I prefer the gray. I prefer the ambiguity. Why? Because that gives you space to wrestle with things, to struggle, right? To have, there is no black and white. There are questions here. And that, by the way, I think is the Jewish formula, that area of gray, because that's what opens it up to discussion, debate, right conversation from there we extract meaning and purpose you open up a page of talmud these are rabbis who live two three four hundred years apart from each other arguing with each other about things who you know does it really matter who knows but the point of the matter is is that purpose meaning laws were extracted from these arguments so i like that gray area so zionism being the physical manifestation of a jewish soul is a tenth which is large enough to bring in our people we can't be selective Gosh, we're like 0.02% of the global population. <laughs> we're not even half of 1% of the global population. We're going to start creating these, these frictions, these fractures. Who, you know, what does it mean? Oh, so you're not a Zionist? Great. So now Israel doesn't mean anything to me? God forbid. So let's create a space where everyone can be a part of this. And today you don't, by the way, not every Jew needs to live in Israel, I say. There's enough Jews here. We need to worry about our brothers and sisters abroad. Yeah. We all know what's happening out there, right? So we need to be strong wherever we are. Zionism is a space for everyone. That's my answer. 
That's that's awesome. That was amazing. Now, with that in mind, Zionism is a part of, if I understand this correctly, um, not the curriculum, but the general overall feel and identity of the Alexander Musk School. Am I correct in that? That, alongside being, uh, uh, you know, uh, having our parent organization, Jewish National Fund, which is, you know, reclaimed, if you will, the Z word, where everyone's, where, you know, concerned about using it. I mean, that's what Zionism is. Now, what is the relationship between um, the JNF and the Alexander Musk School? So JNF is, owns Alexander Musk High School in Israel. They have resp- responsibility over it. There was a merger that took place in 2013. I say it's a historic and strategic merger. You don't often hear about mergers in the Jewish world, right? We Jews with our egos, we'd rather not work, not collaborate, just as long as we don't have to share anything or, <laughs> or God forbid we succeed together, right? But here is something that's very special which took place. Here you have a pioneering teens semester abroad program right pioneer there was never anything before it right successful 40 plus years into its history over 30,000 alumni was looking for a home right the board of directors the chair Stephen Musses is looking for a home it needs to grow it needs to continue to grow it needs to continue to, to, to provide transformative experiences at the same time and this is why it was a match made in heaven Jewish National Fund USA recognized the fact that if we don't invest in our next generation in a meaningful way there are wonderful programs out there. They're all great. I'm not going to criticize them all because as long as you're getting to Israel, that's important. But you can't compare an eight-day or a 10-day or a two-week experience in Israel to a two-month experience, a four-month semester abroad, living in Israel, not just one Shabbat, but the entire Jewish calendar, experiencing Jewish holidays, national holidays. What's Memorial Day in Israel? We know what's Memorial Day in America, right? It's a party, mm-hmm. right? It's barbecuing and sales. Go to Macy's, right? That's Memorial Day? That's how you can remember the people who provided you the ability to live in freedom, right? Here, Memorial Day is Memorial Day, right? We stand, we stop, the siren blows. This is experiential learning. So these students who come from wherever they come from are coming here to Israel, and they're experiencing the holidays. They, on Memorial Day, Yom HaZikon, they're going out there into the streets. We take them and we say, you know, spread out, pick a corner. They're standing there, not sure what to expect, and all of a sudden, a siren blares. Right? Everything stops. The buses stop. Taxis stop. People stop in the car. Everyone comes out. Everyone stands. And everyone remembers, right? So JNF realized we need to invest in our next generation because if we don't, by the way, all of this is for nothing. Let's go back to the ghettos. What are we doing here? If we're not ensuring, if every one of your listeners can't ensure that there will be someone to take their place in 100 years from now, mm-hmm. then let's pack up and go, from, go back to where we came from. There's no point in being here. And that's awesome. And that JNF not only talked about it, but did something about that and went ahead and, and did their due diligence and researched the field and realized, oh, wait, there's this organization that's been around for decades, impacted the lives of so many, looking for a home. We're looking for a program. Why reinvent the wheel? You know, everyone likes to, well, I have an idea. Innovate. What, what are you innovating? What are you innovating? <laughs> there's stuff that exists. We could make it rounder. Right. So, the, so at any rate, the uh, merger took place in 2013. Okay, we're now going on seven years, grown 10% year by year. At the time, it was around 750 students. Today, we're nearing 1,500 students. Phenomenal growth, phenomenal experiences, impact out of this world, and we're looking to just grow, grow, grow. Now, where exactly is it located? The campus is located in Hodesharon, which is around 15, 20 minutes northwest of here, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, east, I'm sorry, depending on how fast you drive. Okay. And we're in Tel Aviv. Right, we're in Tel Aviv. So it's, you know, Kfar Sava, Ra'anana, if anyone knows out there. And uh, it's a be- it's called the suburb of, his, of of Tel Aviv, right? So it's beautiful, pastoral, neighborhoods, private homes. is a, is a city center town you walk into. Kids are, are free to sign out and go out for lunch, go to the pharmacy, manage their own funds, you know, do whatever they got to do. They get some free time and then they come back. They're living on a, on a college, almost like a college campus. So they're getting a college prep experience mm-hmm. too. Living in dormitories with other students, meeting Jews that they never met before, exploring and discovering not only our own narrative and our history, but where they sit, where they fit in that narrative. You know, it's a very powerful experience. These kids then go off, when they apply to college, by the way, they're getting accepted to their college of choice by average more so than any other kid because they had this this, uh, overseas semester abroad experience. Universities want to see this diversity. AP students, I mean, it's great, but it's not enough. Everyone's an AP student. But wait, you spent four months away from home? You were held accountable for your assignments, for your exams? You maintained and maybe even increased your GPA? That's the kind of student we want on our college campus. So not only are you providing a college prep experience, but we're also preparing our students for what we know is happening out there today. Everyone talks about Israel advocacy, Israel advocacy. What has Israel advocacy done for us, aside from videos, right? People ask us, what do you do about Israel advocacy? I don't have to do anything about Israel advocacy. Our students leave us with more knowledge than the average Jew has out there about their own history and with the confidence and conviction to know that they're standing on the right side of history. They don't have to be apologetic, defend your right to exist. Who wants to have to defend your right to exist every single day? It gets tiring. Absolutely. I want to go out there and celebrate my existence. I tell my students, ignore the, 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 the haters out there. You're gonna, they're going to eat their hearts out. Because you can shut one person up, but someone else is going to pop. You see these speakers come out to campuses, they get shut down. You got 30, 40, 50, 100 of these protesters coming in, you know, free Palestine, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they, you can't, so, what are you gonna, so what are you doing? That's Israel advocacy? No, you go out and celebrate it. You go show the world why Israel's existence makes the world better. By the way, we're not perfect, I was, and we know that, and we don't hide that. There are complexities here. There's racism here. There's issues with Jewish identity, religion, and state. Sure, but for God's sake, it's not the end of the world. We're not, you know, this third world uh, apartheid country, right? We're making the world better. So go out there and have fun with it. You know, that's the message that we provide. So college prep experience and, of course, the knowledge and, and, and the ability to stand on your own two feet and be proud of who you are. Now, okay, so let's say I'm going to send my son to the Alexander Moss High School. There's, I'm sure, th- during the application process, what are you looking for in a student and how does the work that they do at your high school translate or transfer into their academic career in I'm sure not just the United States. You you take from all over the West, world. Yeah, so all over the world. How does that translate? So I'll transfer? start with the last question and go backwards. So at first, first and foremost, we're an accredited, an American accredited academic institution. For so for all due respect, so so we're an American high school program in Israel. Wow. Okay. okay. Exactly. So if you're coming from the states or you want to have a an academic semester experience in Israel, you're coming to us, right? In other words, our credits. Our subject, the course loads that we facilitate, the academic st- standards are all on par with what is expected in the United States, right? So any student coming from wherever it is, El Paso, Texas, Los Angeles, you know, New York, Miami, Minnesota, wherever they're coming from, will work with that student, their home high school. Okay, so, so Joe Katz, okay, what are you studying? Oh, I'm taking Physics 101, Mandarin, Chinese, World History, and uh, I don't know, sci- lab, uh, biology. 
Oh, great. Okay, we'll be in touch. We have deans. We have staff in the United States spread across the country. Our admissions offices in our New York. We'll talk and work with that guidance counselor of that, you know, that student's guidance counselor. We'll get the curriculum. What is this student studying in this semester or this period of time? Share it with us and we'll facilitate it because we have the accreditation to do so. We'll facilitate those courses on our campus here in Israel so the kid doesn't miss his beat right? So they're able to keep up with their homeworks, with their studies, with their final, with their exams back home in the States. When they come back, they slip right into their, uh, into their classes, right? Like they've never left. Of course, the experience is very different, but that's, that's essentially what we do, okay? So we're able to do that with any student who comes our way. So that's the second question. The first question, obviously, there's a formal application, your name, right? Just the basic information. And then, of course, we want to know about, you know, who are you? We want to understand who you are, while we would love to accept every single student that applies, we also have to recognize the intensity of such a program. This is not a 10-day trip to Israel where you're just traveling around the country and, you know, having a photo op with your hand on the Wailing Wall or, or the Sunrise of Masada. This is much more than that. This is four months, two months, you know what I mean? It's a serious program, and it includes academics, right? Kids need to be able to hold their own. Mom and dad aren't there to remind you to do your homework every day, right? Clean your room. Right? These, these are kids who have to be independent, have to have the ability and capacity to, to hold their own. So, of course, then, you know, we want to know about the students. We obviously, we, we gather all the medical information. We get recommendations. We speak to the guy and, you know, is this, is this a good candidate for us? Mm-hmm. Right? And, of course, if, God forbid, we have to turn any student away for whatever reason, we, 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 we still want them to be able to come to Israel. So we'll, we'll refer them to any other program. I mean, there are many programs out there. But, unfortunately, not every student's able to come to, to, to our academic sessions. Right, so, so we work with them to the capacity that we can. We want to get to know the student. What are your activities? Are you involved in sports? Are you involved in youth groups? So we'll get kids that are in sports and music, in athletics, uh, kids who are in, uh, involved in their youth group, presidents of BBYOs, you know, all kinds from across. We'll get kids who never, who never saw the letter Aleph. You know, they don't know what the letter Aleph looks like. Wow. Talk about discovery of who you are when you come here because you're immersed in it, when you're, right? You're living it. Oh my God, I'm a part of this. I mean, the, the, that is just priceless. Kids, I mean, these days, they're not being, kids don't know anything. We're losing, right? We're losing this thing, right? They don't know. Forget about who they are and our story. What a story do we have to share, right? <laughs> they don't know what a letter Aleph looks like. And now you wanted them to advocate for your right to, and they don't even know. It's ridiculous. But we're there to pick them up. And these kids, when they leave us, they're on par with every other kid. Whether they went to a 12-year Jewish day school or a kid who grew up going to synagogue, our kids, these unaffiliated, they know everything at the end of the trip, at the end of this program, right? And that's what we want to do here. That's our experience. Now, having said that, we also have non-academic sessions because, like I said, we don't want to say no to anyone. So we have other sessions that we provide that aren't fully academic, maybe short-term, where we're also able to refer students to those programs as well. So we want to get as many kids to Israel as possible. We're now close to 1,500. Our goal is to get to 5,000 students annually from around the world. Wow. Okay. Now, this is this this is a parent question. So, my son, who is sixteen now, so sorry if it's embarrassing. Um, when <laughs> yeah, when he was younger, um, he had trouble being over staying overnight at someone else's house. Now, I'm sure you have kids who are fully amped at, at the Israel experience. Can't wait. They get there immediately. Oh my gosh. What have I done? Sure. What structure do you have in place for that? Sure. Because I'm sure, I, I imagine every session you have. That. We get it all the time, all the time. You know, kids are psyched, of course, and everyone's excited. Kids are scared, and rightfully so. This is a whole new experience for them, being away from home for so long and in another country. 
Um, first of all, I can tell you that within a week to 10 days, that passes, right? So it's not a matter of what do we have as a solution to that? Because there's no, what are you going to tell a kid? Stop, stop being a like, oh, Stop it. <laughs> that sounds like my grandfather. Right. Stop it. No, this is the kid's experience. You got to let a kid experience this. And, you know, we're so used to quick fixes in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? There's like, here, what's the problem? Okay, here's it. Okay, take this medication. But uh, like pumping these kids with medication and these kids end up not knowing even who they are, right? So we mm-hmm. want to give them the space. So we're there to comfort them. We are their parents while they're there, of course. We have staff in place. We have deans. We have counselors, madrichim. We have doctors and nurses. We, we have a whole fully loaded campus with staff and support staff. So we're there to support our students. We don't want our kids to feel like they're alone, right? So we're there. So kid might be homesick, might not be used to being there, might have been placed in a dorm room with a student that they're not used to, you know, maybe they're not used to sleeping with three or four kids in a room, right? <clears throat> so we, 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 we help them throughout that process. Because this is a brand new thing. So we're there to talk to them. We're there to comfort them. We're there to have the cup of tea with them. We're there to talk them through the experience. We check in on them, of course. And within a week to 10 days, man, they're in a different place. And by the end of the trip, they can't even believe it's over and then they have to go home now. I'm gonna, I got to go back there? Oh my God, I, just, I, I grew so, I'm so mature. I'm independent. I have an opinion about things. This is where it ends. I got to go back there where nothing's changed, where everyone's doing and dealing with the same nonsense that I kind of escaped. So that's, that's the end game, and that's what happens. We do, look, we're over 1,000 kids a year, 30,000 kids. This is the overall 99% of the experiences are what I just explained to you. Okay, perfect. Now, again, also as a parent, but this time not as me, as my mom, who does this oh. every single time I come to Israel. Um, she's concerned about my safety, mm-hmm. and no matter how many times I tell her, Mom, I'm going to the safest place, probably on the planet. For sure. Um, could you... Do uh, could you elaborate on what you would say to a parent? Sure, sure. While our goal is to provide the best educational experience in Israel, number one priority is safety and security. Number one priority is safety and security. Number one priority is safety and security. Okay, so we go through all the motions. We review our itinerary on a day-to-day basis because we could have multiple sessions on campus. So that means various tracks. So we got to keep track of every single one of these itineraries. This is one group is here. We could have 600 kids at one time on campus, but every, you know, 20 to 50 kids are on a different track, right? So every morning we're reviewing our itinerary, right? Every morning we're reviewing our itinerary with, with uh, um, what's called the Moketeva, what's called the Cheder Matzav or the Situation Room. And these institutions and these gov- some of these government-affiliated uh, arms we work with, they oversee all the tourist travel, right? You have to remember uh, that there are, at any given moment, thousands of people here on travel groups, birthright groups. Um, um, you know, BBYO trips, synagogue missions, temple groups, uh, other, you know, Christian, there's, I mean, so it's not just us, right? We're here with everyone else. So every one of these groups by law is required to be in constant communication with the Ministry of Tourism, Ministry of Defense that then tell, you know, and and is in touch and with you can review your itinerary and say, okay, well, you know what? There were some rockets shot in the South, maybe today, you know, today should be fine, no problem. Or let's, you know, why don't you change your travel? Instead of going South, go North. Right? So we work that out with everyone on a day-to-day basis. And so we're ensuring that our kids are, are not in harm's way. And, and let me just add that I would actually venture to say, and many of our parents would agree, American society is much more violent than Israel. And, 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 and I mean, we're hearing about these shootings. Every, I mean, when I go, I go every month and a half, two months to the States. It's part of my job and recruiting and I'm speaking engagements and speaking events, blah, 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 blah. 
My Israeli friends tell me, you sure? You sure you want to go to Chicago? This isn't like the crime <laughs> thing. You sure you didn't want to go to Florida? There was like a shooting in a school. They're like, you sure you want to go to San Diego? They, they shot up a synagogue. You sure you want to go to Pittsburgh? I'm like, wow, look at that. Are, are you going to wear a kippah in Brooklyn? Are you going to wear a kippah when you're walking around in New York with all the violence and hatred for Jews, anti-Semitism? So it's like, it's all perspective. On the other hand, you know, um, there was uh, a couple of years ago, the shooting down in uh, South Florida in the Douglas High School mm -hmm. there. And we had students from that high school at that period of time on our campus. Oh my gosh. And the parents wrote me letters saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but thank God my child is in Israel and not here. Wow. So it's all, you know, perspective. I think, you know, it comes from a very genuine place. We care, we care about our children. Right? My mom, my parents still live in New York, thousands of miles away. They're calling me up being like, hey, did you hear what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even check the news. What happened? Like, I'm not even in touch. Like, I'm okay. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. But that's a parental instinct, and you can't deny that. That's okay. You, you know, you love your, you brought them into this world. That's okay. We understand that. But overall, thank God, we do what we have to do. We do our due diligence. We're in touch with the ministries, and uh, we provide, to the extent that we can, the most safest and secure program available. Your mom's story is the same exact thing. So there were rockets from Gaza, and they hit Tarot when I was in Ben-Gurion University in southern Israel. And uh, I got this frantic phone call from my wife. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, are you all right? I'm, I'm fine. Why? What's wrong? Because the rockets. And, and it, apparently the way it was portrayed in the U.S. is that this shower of, like, just... Right. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm fine. It's not really the happening. siren yeah. didn't go off. We're okay. Right, right, right. Okay, well, you'll call me, right? right yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. Not to say that things can't happen, right? That, but today we know things can happen anywhere in the world. Absolutely. So what are you going to do? Not live, in your, not live your life? You know, we got to go out there and celebrate life and do what we have to do. But extra steps are taken. Extreme care. Indeed. Got it. Um, you had mentioned while you were describing all of that, campus. Mm. So could you take time and describe all the amenities, everything that you've got, and what there is available, not just academically, but sure. in general. So what, you got like a couple of hours left, right? Yeah, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I make sure, because there's a lot to share. I'll, 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 I'll try to be concise. Look, uh, take, for example, uh, a, a university campus in the States in, in a suburban setting, right? Not, I'm not talking about like a Columbia University, right, or a city college where you're in Manhattan, and that essentially that's your campus, Go right? Beaver. Right, right. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, take take a lush, uh, green uh, campus setting, if you can imagine that. Right, mm -hmm. green grasses, quads, kids throwing a frisbee. Right, like you would in college. Right, hacky sacking. You know, I don't know if they, anyone doing hacky sack out there. <laughs> Remember hacky sack circles? Yes. Those were fun. Oh my! We God. did it on the street corners too. Oh gosh, oh. we just dated ourselves. I totally. haven't seen. Actually, I have not seen high school kids do hack guys. And if you're in high school. Get a hacky sack. I'm telling you, you're going to look. Get off your phone, okay? Get a hacky sack. Anyway, so it's a beautiful campus. Mm -hmm. We have our main administration building where all the offices are. We have our uh, five dormitories, as you would in any campus. We have a quad area. We have benches. We have swing sets. We have outdoor cabins for classrooms. We have an outdoor exercise room. We have a, a fitness room on campus. We have a swimming pool adjacent to campus. We have a tennis court. We have a running track. We have a basketball court. We have classroom. We have our education center. We have around 18 classes. Our, our science labs for those who are taking lab. Um, uh, our cafeteria, we have a library, although it's empty. Uh, if you're in high school, did, have you ever spent time in a, in a library? I don't know. My mom used to drop me <laughs> off enough for a whole Sunday. Drop me off at the library. You know, I'd look through encyclopedia book to do a paper. Today, no, no one's in the library. 
Um, so we essentially have all the amenities that you would expect on a on a university campus, all of the above. So it's 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 the fields, it's the space, it's the fresh area, it's the dormitories, the cafeteria, the classrooms, the fitness room. I mean, everything you would you would want to to have when you're on a, on a, on a college campus. And may I add, you're around a thirty second, forty five second walk into town, Hoda Sharon, where you, it's one street. You go in and you got everything there: banks, pharmacy. Pizza, falafel, juice bar, right? Anything you need. And that's so our kids are able to actually not only study about Israel and experience the history, but actually witness it in action, like engage with your everyday Israeli. And I'm sure it's sort of like um, down in Beersheba, Ben Gurion University is such has such an imprint on Beersheba. Mm. I'm sure it's the same thing. Oh yeah. This, I mean the stop the short the, the store uh, the shopkeepers and, and the neighbors, they all know our program. You know, we've been there for, for decades. So they know our students and they welcome them to their shore. Like we're, we're part of that, of, that, uh, of that microcosm, that ecosystem in the community. Perfect. Now, the last thing I want to ask you about, this was, and not to go again to, but it's a college program, so I could talk about it. Sure. Um, it, the Ben-Gurion International, um, they have their Ulpan summer program. They have their regular programs. And intermixed in those programs are a lot of, um, trips mm. because there's so much the north is so sure. different from the south sure. the center the coast is different from sure. the inside sure what what so our 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 program is 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 the is the quintessential experience experiential learning program because what we're doing is while one day we're in the classroom studying with primary text it could be bible tanakh it could be poetry philosophy it could be anything that we're studying with regards to history. And we start at the beginning. We start with Abraham and Sarah, right? We go all the way to innovation nation, startup nation, whatever you want to call it, to this day. And what we do is we study in the classroom, and then the next day we go out on a tiyur, on a, on a field trip. So you're actually going and walking through history. Often what happens with a lot of uh, travels to Israel and missions, and, and, and I understand why, because you're limited to an eight-day or a ten-day trip. Often you're studying Israel geographically. Right, so you're going up to the north. Mm -hmm. You're studying everything that happened in the north from whatever from A to Z, making no sense historically. I mean, the tour guide might try to make sense of it historically, but you, as the learner, you're like, wait. So when did this happen? Right. So it's great, and you're in awe. You're like, oh my god, here I am at the Golan Heights. Wait, sixty-seven <laughs> exile. You know. Uh, Elijah the prophet. Wait, where where are we in history? Right, because you're studying it region. You go to the center. You're studying that. You go to Jerusalem. You're studying first temple, second temple, destruction, exile. You know, 1948 independence war, 67 reunification, 70. You know, all these dates are in a mishmash. It's not chronologically studied. The best way to study history, get it, is chronologically. <laughs> right? It's genius, isn't it? You might think it's like, wait, what's your formula? We're just teaching history the way it should be taught. Now, thankfully, we have the bandwidth and the space to be able to teach it chronologically. So we're zigzagging all over the country. We're going to Jerusalem not once, not twice, three times, right? We're studying every time history takes us to Jerusalem. We're there. First temple, second temple, reunification, like I just said. Same thing with the South. So we're going through the motions because we have the amount of time to be able to do that. So on the one hand, we're studying primary text. Then we go out into the field, and then you'll see pictures of our students. You might see them on our website or on our Facebook page. You'll see pictures of our students on the floor, when it gets to Masada, we're not just climbing for the photo op, like I said before, for the sunrise, right? We're climbing, sure, the sunrise, the photo op is great. And then we're sitting on the floor, kids taking out their notebooks, teachers standing or sitting with them, and they're learning. Oh my Masada gosh. becomes the class. Har Gilboa, Mount Gilboa become Jerusalem. Be these become the classrooms, 
They're sitting there and taking notes, not for five minutes, for hours. They're literally in a class. And then there's an exam. There's a test. They're getting graded. This is school. So kids who might not be the best of students, for example, right? I was not a good student. I had, you know, I was bouncing off the walls. I couldn't sit still for a second. But a kid like me, by the way, would have benefited from such a learning experience. Every student, whether you're a straight A student or a B or a C student, these kids come here, they're like, I actually enjoy learning. I actually also learned how to learn, right? Because if you wow. go to a formal setting in the classroom in America, for example, or maybe in Europe, I don't know where, you're sitting in rows. Like you're, you're almost like at a Broadway show. You're looking at the back <laughs> of someone's head. Maybe you can hide and fall asleep. And the teacher's yapping away to a certain extent. Of course, not all educators are like that. You know, some are, are, mm -hmm. are, are wonderful, right? In our classroom, you're sitting in a circle, right? Even in the classroom setting, not just in the field, but in the classroom itself, our chairs are set up in a circle, desks in a circle, and you're facing each other. You're actually talking to each other. You're looking at each other's eyes. You're debating. You're getting into the, you're living the text. It becomes a part of you. It's not just a, an exercise of the intellect. It becomes a wisdom of the heart. You're taking it home with you. It's you. You want to come? So badly, so you badly. You too can register. No, <laughs> we're actually, we are organizing an adult program, I should say. We have an adult program uh, being launched this May which is going to be a, an eight-day or seven-day uh, adult learning experience, not just a mission, not just a trip to Israel to see the sites, but to actually learn. And we're going to have our teachers teach. So for all those adults out there, parents who have asked us, hey, when are you going to have something for adults? It's happening in May. Outstanding. Yeah. And I will put that in the, uh, cool. in the description on the YouTube version of this podcast. Um, Lior, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention um, to the audience? Anything else you'd like to promote? I just want to say, what a story we have. You know, I, again and again, when people are like, why don't our kids care? We're, a, I don't know, maybe we didn't tell them our story. Because, man, when you know our story, don't tell me, tell me I'm wrong. When you know the story, you're like, how are you not inspired? We're still here. You study the ancients, you're looking up in textbooks, you're going to a museum, you study the people of Israel, we're still here. I'm Israel Chai. We'll wrap it up in that. Lior, thank you so much. Thank you. That's it. Todorbach. Leitrot ve. Galabach. Ich bin ein 